0: And welcome to Sutro Sidewatch, episode 32. I'm your host, Kamran Shustar and with me hosting is...
1: I'm Brandon from Apollo City Comics.
0: And we are joined by my Up To It, Down To It co-host, Ty
2: Robertson. Hello. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ty Robertson. I'm a Vizifex artist from Atlanta, Georgia. And if you've listened to uh, Up To It, Down To It before, you already know me. So what's up? That was like the <laughs> cleanest
1: are... like, guest introduction I've ever heard too by the oh, yeah. way that he, was he that was, was a uh, nice well, definitive he's
0: well good he's good to go from up to it, down to it especially compared to uh
2: our other two uh co-hosts interesting uh intros oh every time they always have to say something funny i say the same thing every time and they're always trying to be goofy over <laughs> well here miles always video. sounds like he's in a situation <laughs> he just sounds yeah. like there's some issue going
0: <laughs> on when he talks about it but we are here for our april uh month February is coming right after April, so this is... uh, We got, I think, April, then February, then May. We just shuffled the deck Uh, with
1: our months this year. Yeah.
0: But April is our second Ralph Bakshi outing here. Fuck yeah. And if you guys listened to last year's, we covered uh, the High Adventure Fire and Ice, which has, like, cave Batman, and so there's not really a plot, but you're just watching people kill people. It's great. Yes. And then uh, you had american pop which was a whirlwind of just like sad stories of multi-generations of a family of jewish people uh, that immigrated and
1: it's beautiful music stuff like yeah and american pop is just fuck that movie (laughs) it's so hard yeah and this
0: this this month we've got two specifically uh wizards which i believe you said that was your first was that your first boxing movie? no no know.
1: wizards was something i had always wanted to see and it was when i started watching it i realized like necron 99 i've always kind of seen him in like the corner of stuff like you know a little easter egg in different shows or movies or like record shops and like a sticker you know what i mean like i've always recognized wizards and mm-hmm. i just looking up weird cult movies at one point in my life wizards came up um, kind of like Forbidden Planet, stuff like that. I was looking for those cool, just bizarre animated movies. And I watched this maybe two years ago. And dude, it's it's probably one of my favorite Bakshi movies, to be honest, out of everything we're covering. Like it... It beats out Fire and Ice and Lord of the Rings <laughs> pretty <Okay>. hard. <laughs> I think American pop. I can see it beating out
2: Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I I have to well, not, not Peter Jackson Lord I, of the Rings, of course. I have
0: very you know we'll we'll talk about Lord of the Rings next week, or we'll have the the episode on Lord of the Rings next week. That's the other movie we're covering. Yeah. And we it's funny because you know normally we've talked about it before. We'll like hit a director's first film or something like that, and we went completely like we're going kind of like newest to oldest. In the order, like, Fire and Ice was, I think, his last film that out of the four that we're covering. And then it was American Pop uh, was before that one. And uh, then Lord of the Rings and Wizards, all like, Wizards was the first of all of these. So we're finally, like, covering that one. it came out in 1977. And so far, you know, American Pop's staying at the top in terms of just story and Fire and Ice for just fun action. And Wizards, I wasn't exactly sure... (laughs) what to expect with this like i I hear wizards and i'm thinking oh fucking magic and i look at the cover and there's like a red guy with a gun on a dang bird chocobo (laughs) i don't know and it is like a yeah yeah, and i'm like "Uh, okay and this movie okay fire and ice i understood i'm like frank frazetta inspired artwork feels like it all all adds up
1: you know what i mean you see that franzetta's involved cool yeah all right
0: this one does not add <laughs> american the same way. <laughs> american pop it it's very clear you understand everything going on it actually takes you through it wizards
1: fucking curveball I like the whole way through dude
0: didn't know what i was really watching and then it ended and i'm like i still don't know what i was watching by the end of yeah. the it's so multi I don't even know how to the, the, the variety of things going on in it in terms of stylization and what it feels like the audience they're
2: going for feels very. Yeah, that was the first note. I was like, is this a kid's movie or is this for adults? And it's PG, but it's like, well, old school. Yeah, right? old, old school <laughs> PG know?
0: gets with the, you know, old school PG includes fuck if you're Spaceballs. Uh, includes yeah. other like shit and apparently tits. In this one, it includes uh, <laughs> it includes
2: hookers in the first ten yeah. minutes, like
0: <laughs> mutant hookers and little lizard
2: yeah. man name. I forget what the dude, the little lizard guy's name. Oh yeah, the like comic relief was lizard guy is there for just a few minutes. Yeah, like <laughs> oh my and... gosh,
1: yeah, and it's oh, man that intro to that whole movie. It's kind of interesting. I think the best way. <sighs> to describe this movie is just like, uh, like if science fiction and fantasy just kind of bashed into each other, you know, once I, I guess like explain the intro for anybody who hasn't Fuck seen each it. Other. All right. Sorry, my cat, <laughs> my cat just launched out <laughs> of the can. back window um past me. But um man, that intro scene kind of just like an interesting, a lot of exposition. We kick off the movie with exposition and it's going by, it's just showing artwork in the beginning, right? There's not even any animation. It's the
2: stills.
0: Yeah, yeah it's the
1: like stills. kind of like
2: legend foretold. And yeah, yeah, and it's well, they literally open it with a live action picture of a book, and then the book oh, opens, that's right. and that's supposed to explain why you know so many of these narrated sort of interstitial you know scenes are just you know uh, I'm trying to remember what the exact I-, I did a little bit of this at Scad that art style oh, um, rotoscope where it's on sort of... or not rotoscope? No, uh... it's a it's a it's on a tanned piece of paper uh and that's your mid-tone and then you have a dark uh you know pencil or you know some sort of implement and then a light one. Oh, because uh yeah the, the paper is pre-toned basically uh it, it's that art style and that they use it throughout the movie whenever there's like heavy narration and exposition yeah. it switches to the the book and i was like oh that's good explanation for like oh it's literally a book yeah. That's I thought it was
0: funny. Anytime it was story time, they're like, "We can't do it with the real animation; just throw it in the still."
1: <laughs> yeah, this is going to cost too much in the budget. We can't do yeah, this on time. We can't do this. Guys. I think it's a very nice blend of like different mediums, especially because Ralph is so known for that uh, rotoscoping that he's just infamous for. I mean, at this point, like that's Ralph. I don't even know if he's the one who made that, but like rotoscoping, the way it works in these movies. I can see why we never see it anymore, but I'd love to see a modern movie rotoscoped at some point. But the shift between that narrative and those stills into like a little bit of animation, into some rotoscoping, into like old like war footage throughout the movie. Like it's such a cool and interesting transition, especially when you see the smokes and the skies and comparing the pages, like what you're saying, honestly did not pick that up till right now. I don't know why I never really consider that aspect, but like, brilliant part on you um (laughs) that they're the pages that you're flipping through um me and my roommate were watching it and we were just kind of admiring i guess the artwork so much because it's such a change in tone in the artwork too uh from one aspect to another um but basically the world has basically is on the trajectory it's on and there's like a nuclear war (laughs) and everything happens like everything gets destroyed and thousands and thousands of years go by and basically all the forgotten creatures that once ruled the world that like the mythological not mythological uh like uh fairies and like elves and all that type of stuff um come back to the surface of the world and part of the world is kind of half destroyed and all kind of nuked out and the other half is like flourishing and coming back to life um then there's the whole background between the two wizards. Like that's all explained with the background of the two wizards in like five minutes. It's pretty, it's a lot to take in with that exposition right away. Yeah.
2: They very quickly go through like the life and death of their mother. Who's like this sort of Mm -hmm. goddess being, um, yeah, they're like, and as soon as they introduce her, and then like, and then she grew very old and died, but not before giving birth to two magical wizards. It's funny, she just looks young the minute <laughs> one she good, gives one birth. Evil. She's like,
3: oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. they find her after giving birth, and she's like shriveled. She's like, I gave all of my life energy to these two wizards. And one's just like, yeah, and the
0: other's like, Bleh. and you're like, what's his face from Smurfs?
2: Well, he's born
1: deformed. Like, yeah,
2: he's. He- his like skin is missing on his arms like from yeah. birth. He just has like skeleton That's arms. So... It's freaky. It's like,
1: like the Smurfs and He Man like smashed it's... together.
0: One like... looks like the A Smurf, of... one looks like that guy, that human guy that hunts the Smurfs i don't remember what yeah that's was. yeah exactly yeah yeah, Gargamel. Gargamel. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah, i was like what the fuck <laughs> yeah dude i
0: i was not expecting like like i said i was not expecting this looking at the title on cover i'm like i don't get it what's this gonna be about even and... the font
1: the font is very deceiving in that sense it's a very sci-fi font like super well and then they you, you
2: mentioned necron 99 aka peace <laughs> yeah who's the poster character for yeah. this movie. And for a lot of people, he's very yeah. iconic. But it's the equivalent of putting Boba Fett <laughs> yes. on the cover of a Star Wars poster. That's who he is. He's a bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's not really like the main character. He is a party member. He he is in a lot of the movie, but he's definitely not the main character. But there's so many wizards, pieces of paraphernalia that just have yeah. him on it because he's so cool looking.
1: It's all Um, it really
2: misleads like (laughs) yeah it really makes you think you're getting into something different like that it's a purely sci-fi story yeah
1: that's what i thought going into it and that's i was way more hyped when i found out it was fantasy that was my first curveball i didn't think it was wizards is one aspect of fantasy but with that font and that image um i mean you just feel like it's like okay he has a gun sci-fi like what the fuck um there is a lot of messages going out throughout this entire movie from the second it starts Uh, that was another key aspect from like the first exposition it sets up like three themes for us you know uh not only the like destruction of man and like where we're heading as like a planet and a society at that point but it's also talking about just straight up good and evil um putting them against each other it's putting in like family um relations uh stuff like that and it's kind of like right in the first 10 minutes you're like all right so what what are we going to see what this movie is really about like (laughs) what is going on here um it's very political yeah
2: much more than i thought it was ever going yeah on. you don't it's, expect uh... <laughs> a,
0: a fantasy movie about wizards and fairies and elves all of a sudden to be like look everybody it's adolf hitler and the nazi regime and i'm like <laughs> huh
2: and all the elves are also like
0: what yeah <laughs> like...
1: they
2: not <laughs> well it's from the moment you see adult black wolf after that whole opening narration he's literally sitting on a giant swastika so you already know you're in for something you don't even know why they don't explain it yet you're just like wait one of the wizards has a giant room with a giant swastika and that's it and he just broods in there all day (laughs)
0: like that's (laughs) i was not expecting it to say the least like it reminded me going like oh yeah because you forget that the world was supposed to be regular earth the minute you start seeing all the magic shit and all of a sudden they're like, hey, look, it's like Nazis. And you're like, oh, right. The before times and everything. And it's not really what you expect, especially like um, when they get into the variety of things, you know, like we were talking about, like there's the weird legend stills where it's like, you know, here's the story and we see everything's brown with the paper and everything else. But they have such a weird mix of just everything you have some of the characters look very serious and they look like it's like okay this is like an adult film i like i'm I'm getting that american pop fire and ice feeling and then one like literally one second later i'm watching like a cartoon guy kind of going like this just when he's walking like mickey mouse in the 30s or something and i'm like this is (laughs) Is this is the same thing clear
2: split (laughs) (laughs) where we've got we've got the two wizards we've got uh black wolf who's the evil Mm -hmm. one and we've got uh avatar who's the good Mm -hmm. one black wolf is clearly the more themed towards adult things you you get introduced to his realm and the the mutated land where he lives and it's it's literally yeah blackjack and hookers (laughs) and uh and then you get introduced to the the wonderful quaint fairy world where avatar rules and it's uh you know all peaceful and and colorful and uh women wearing transparent clothing <laughs> and showing their nipples and um you know, paradise. Peace and love. Like, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. that's also just a funny detail that they just chose to give the female lead like semi-transparent clothes. And yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: they just have everything,
0: just, yeah.
2: just keep it sticking out. It's fine. She's basically in lingerie the
0: whole exactly. time. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, they made her like the thickest like girl in the entire movie oh, yeah, too. Eleanor like... the fairy <laughs> queen, yeah.
0: Or a fairy princess turned queen. And it. it's also funny looking at like how... Uh, avatar starts out looking like this cool hobbit type wizard guy and all of a sudden you see him his design changes design changes and old. he looks like a gnome and i'm like yo this dude's just like a gnome now he's got no face and he just like stones all the his time. Feet a lot yeah <laughs> he just like smokes with his feet yeah
2: no you're right his design now that i've seen some of the <laughs> hobbit or not the hobbit well lord of the rings um yeah his design in the in the opening monologue where they show the little stills of him you know and uh and black wolf growing up it looks like a proto design for frodo oh for yeah I the lord of the that. rings that came only a year later but then yeah as soon as they give him a beard and make him an old man in the flash forward uh just a few minutes later he he, he looks like a gnome he did you don't even see his face under his hat and beard and giant nose and it completely changes your perspective <laughs> on him he goes from being this like young heroic champion to being like a funny yeah, uncle like who likes to smoke cigars hey whoa you wizard. know
0: i just gotta we gotta go stop my brother and you're just like what, what did he just like come
2: from new york at a certain point like it... well and apparently he it's his voice actor is not peter Falk, but he is doing a peter Falk mm-hmm. yeah wasn't it bob uh, Columbo. Uh, bob, Holt. bob holtz yeah bob holtz yeah yeah uh he's doing a uh like a like a Columbo type like ah you know my wife says, yeah exactly like, he's doing one of those types of and as like a
1: big colombo fan i just admired the hell out of that too and when i caught that i didn't really get into colombo until this last year so watching it this time i was like holy fuck i had to double check well a lot of people <laughs> yeah.
0: got into colombo this last year because <laughs> yeah. of gianni matriago i was not was, yeah <laughs> everyone's talking about colombo 24 7 and i'd like missed all of it i was like why is this guy all of a sudden very popular but um yeah there was him the fairy uh weehawk which weehawk. was a very angry elf he's
1: fucking useless he, <laughs> in every he would just scene be
0: like i love that they'd show him and he'd be like
2: ah and just start screaming and go to step i made a note his deliveries were so funny to me because he sometimes goes from the most kind of flat deadpan like this guy's really chill delivery to like the the most guttural real scream that you've yeah. ever heard in an animated yeah, movie yeah. like uh the specifically the there's a bit later in the movie where uh they're in the fairy's cave and he falls off of a ravine down into a hole and avatar shouts after him and he's like are you okay and he's like i'm fine go get the girl like very chill a few few scenes later he's still down there and this giant like spider creature comes in and- <laughs> uh startles him and he has the most real scream like man that that's the scream of a guy who actually thought he was about to die like captured on on tape (laughs) it's so funny the contrast between those two (laughs) levels of delivery throughout the entire movie he does it a bunch of times very true yeah for sure
1: um yeah he was just such an odd character to me because i feel like every time he popped up he was just like trying really hard to do the right thing but then just ended up just being useless and like getting his ass kicked in a second and he has so much you know grit he's always down to fight always down to do something but he just never never wins <laughs> and no he, he
0: constantly <laughs> just fails like even the guy with him in the beginning is just like what do we do just bang dead immediately
2: um i forget who that young guy was with him but uh oh so yeah actually we should get into like the plot oh plot. yeah yeah so we've set up the the movie is uh about these two warring wizards who are in sort of the post nuclear wasteland that used to be humanity um and we get introduced to necron 99 who's the red robot assassin um who's sent by black wolf to uh kill uh he's sent apparently a bunch of these guys he he's alludes three to like, hunters, a bunch of these robot yeah. assassins. Yeah, to go and kill the the good world's leaders, yeah. one of which is the father of the princess, I guess. And the, the other king. just the seems like, like some Jewish elf guy. who's
0: like, oh, what are you doing? And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Down. I'm like...
2: So Avatar is like meeting with this one of the kings who's this goofy clown man. I don't know why he looks like that. And uh, yeah, Necron bursts into the room and shoots and kills him. And uh, they realize, oh, all the world's leaders have been assassinated by these droids, mm-hmm. you know, and it's clearly an opening for Black Wolf to start sending his armies to attack all the defenseless people because they don't have leaders. So they decide it's time to go and put it into the, themselves. It's going to be Avatar the wizard, you know, his brother uh, and uh, the princess who wants to avenge her father. Uh, she's like a fairy. And uh, and then you just Weehawk, mentioned his name. Who Weehawk who to uh, save the father. <laughs> Yeah, Weehawk, the, the elf archer guy who was like a patrolman who uh, came to warn them that uh, he was about to be assassinated but didn't arrive in time. There's their little party. And then they reprogram Necron to become Peace, uh, yeah. peace a, a peaceful robot, <laughs> which is the most on-the-nose name ever. But, yeah, they literally peace. just call him Peace. He literally
0: is just yeah. like, confused every day.
2: Yeah, he speaks in the funniest, flattest voice. And um, yeah, he just, I want peace peace good and they need him to lead them to the uh to the it, layer of i guess through all the secret wolf, paths yeah. through the woods to get to the yeah. lair. yeah and uh that's the adventure they're off to 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 get rid of black wolf once and for all which i it, it's funnier when they they don't say how uh and then when you learn how at the end it ends up being incredibly funny yeah dude. because um, i was like they can't kill him right because they keep saying the whole movie avatar is always about like you know peace and you know giving people second chances he he, there's a lot of moments where they have you know negative interactions with others and he like lets it fly like he he kind of believes in you know uh resolving things through words Mm -hmm. um but even he has his limits as we'll we'll talk about in a yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> The very violent ending of this movie. Which This whole movie's violent, but seeing him get violent is hilarious and weird. Uh, funny, like, uh, after back the lead movies,
1: a lot of the actors have very, like, flat monotone voices. Like, there's not a lot of emotion going through a lot of them. Um, and we've seen, what, four of them now. And, man, maybe all of them, there's always, like, five characters, like, a bulk of them that just have that blank voice, like, that tone. Even Aragon in Lord of the Rings, like, Dude, he's boring. <laughs> he's boring. Even though he's a dude from Game of Thrones. But like in everything else that we've seen, there's always characters where you're just like, are, are you like a voice actor for real? like, did they just pull you off the street and told you to read these random lines? Like they never just like pull it off too well.
2: Speaking of that though, do you know who is a voice actor for real and had his very first role in this movie as a voice actor? Was it Mark Hamill? Is, uh, yeah, is Mark yeah, Hamill. Right, yeah. he,
0: didn't, who did he play again? It was... uh.
2: He's the little fairy Sean. boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sean. I'm a that special was his name? Yeah, fairy. Just... You
0: may call me Sean. And yeah. he's like, I have tons of wine. Yeah. I'm dead.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's only there for like a minute. And uh, apparently this was, this was like just before uh, This is just before yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, he, he really didn't have anything good going for him. And he did this and then got picked up <laughs> for Star Wars.
0: Mark Hamill, you got saved by Star Wars. Otherwise, it would have been you're dead. You're the dead fairy boy.
2: I mean, it's funny that he, after Star Wars, later went into so many oh, yeah, voice yeah. acting roles, and this was the first, and I, I don't know if, I'd be really curious to hear what he says, um, if you were to ask, like, did, was being in Wizards, like, the kickoff to, like, this is my fallback when, mm. you know, I I, I become, like, two typecast like, Star Wars You know, makes me a billion dollars, but also makes it so that that's all I can do. I'm too recognizable to be in any other movies, so I'm gonna fall back on this. I never hear him
1: like promote this movie or talk about it at all, either, you know? And I think that's kind of interesting. It'd be cool, or I wonder how he'd react if you put like a wizard's poster in front of him to sign. Just mean, could you yeah. Sign, but
2: yeah specifically this one little fairy yeah. in the corner could you sign i know i just i wouldn't like... even get the
0: wizard's poster i'd have a picture of the dead corpse of sean and be like could you just sign <laughs> this you have the Dude, cell you sign this,
2: uh,
1: uh, sean, like corp, i bet please? you could find that animation cell. back she sells a lot of his work um and uh, you could find animation cells for fire and ice lord of the rings american pop wizards like and i think that's too cool one day i gotta like find the right one and splurge on a a back he's getting old they're not gonna be around too much longer but you gotta get them before you you pass it away and they become really yeah exactly like i'd love to get one i mean just having a necron 99 one just for the iconic view of that i'd get
0: the i'd get the cave batman one from fire and ice easily that's all i'd want yeah
1: but like so
0: it was interesting leading up to like sean there because you know you have those elves in those trenches and they're like oh you know whatever all these guys are going to come and attack us and they always do this and every time we kick the shit out of them and they leave and this time they're like yeah but it's different we have a projector and on this projector propaganda. is Hitler
2: and he's like and everyone's like wow shit but yeah the, the story that like Black Wolf has never succeeded because all the mutants are, even though they're big and scary, they're secretly cowards. Yeah. And that he's now empowered them by showing them
1: uh old-timey propaganda footage from World War II for the yeah, Germans. Yeah, like whatever motivation um, or inspiration or something, and that was like the missing, the missing part. That was yeah, the yeah, missing
0: yeah piece. Was just who knew the answer was Nazis? It was just <laughs> always was <just> Nazis. Well,
2: <laughs> the scene I thought it was really funny. um it, This could have been a reference. Uh, in smiling friends if you either of you have seen uh zach hedel's smiling friends on adult swim uh because he he does have a whole episode that's kind of parodying back but there's another episode uh before that in which uh if you've never seen smiling friends the plot is that it's a it's a company that's intended to uh help people smile they're like you know uh personal counselors air quotes um a competing company moves into town called frowning friends that is just there to make people upset and at the end of the episode they get a giant projector and project on a huge screen on the front of their building old-timey oh war footage and, and they're like behold the horrors of reality everybody frown this is gonna make you so sad and they like show it on the front of the building and everyone's like no don't look and uh, Charlie the main character is like man I've seen worse stuff on YouTube what are you guys talking about <laughs> it's, it's exactly like the scene in Wizards where they show them the propaganda for the first time it's like it's played up as like this is horrific but nowadays like most people have seen far worse and it made me think of that and I'm like was that a reference in Smiling Friends to Bakshi because then like the next episode is a parody of Bakshi's Lord of the Rings I gotta check that out I was like that's pretty funny that is interesting
0: and it's like you know you see those elves in the trenches and I'm cracking up because I've never seen trenches with just like archers and swordsmen I'm like oh I I guess you know they don't have guns it's fine But when the propaganda plays and uh, Black Wolf's army charges, this is where it gets really, really fucking weird because it's like it takes it what feels like five to 10 minutes for the elves for them to actually reach the elves. Yeah. Like the whole charge is like, you'll know, muster the, the, the mutant men, you see the mutant men coming, you have the, the, some of the guys riding those weird mutant mounts that are like, nah, 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 nah. and <laughs> they reuse they that shot multiple times. Multiple yeah. times. <laughs> and It's just throwing me off. I think I'm watching like a weird YouTube music <laughs> video thing or something, but uh, they have that they have actual human soldier stormtrooper type men mm-hmm. that don't feel rotoscope they, they feel more of just like their shadows like they don't even fully render yeah. on the screen and you're like
2: yeah i should explain that i'm gonna oh drop yeah. yes yeah yeah tidbits so that's an optical effect um I, I don't know the exact process of how it was done in 1977 um, but it is using an optical printer where they generate an uh, alpha matte, uh, basically a silhouette from a piece of footage by uh, like crushing the um, like luminance values. Wow. They're they're basically saying you know turn this into very high contrast footage, and then anything that is you know on one side of the contrast make it transparent, and anything that's on the other side you know make it solid. And that gives them the ability to do what they do in a lot of these insert shots in the movie, where it's kind of, it kind of looks like oddly colorized, very harsh black and white footage of real people, um, where it's not really rotoscoped. It is clearly like real footage of a real person that has then gone been gone back and like colorized by hand. So it's got like nice bright solid like primary colors for like clothing, and you know their eyes glow if they're like you know a monster, oh. um, or their face is like a weird color if they're you know not supposed to be human um and they do it in lord yeah, of rings crazy, as well yeah. um to, to much better effect honestly that <laughs> you can tell this is the first experimental time doing this exact sort of optical printer effect um but yeah the way you would do it nowadays it, it is a lot simpler but it's the same principle in like something like after effects you would just take a levels modifier and grab the white and black values and crush them down to like a very slim margin at the center And then you would tell it, you know, make this the alpha channel of, you know, this image sequence or this video and anything that's, you know, white, make it uh, solid. Anything that's black uh, on the alpha mat, like make it, you know, see through and uh, and then the resulting footage you can play with color as much as you want. And so he's kind of doing a, a really old school analog version of that, which is impressive on the one hand but on the other hand you can clearly tell he's not really mastered it yet the way that it looks in lord of the rings from the bit that i've seen especially the the first big scene he uses it in lord of the rings is the um the bar scene the prancing pony where a bunch of the patrons are real people that have been sort of like matted in um but with like just a it's it's a lot more subtle there where he's like gone through and not made it so high contrast it's like A little more like grainy black and white footage that has been recolorized in sort of a you know artful way and it kind of works because it's like oh yeah these are background characters i can kind of believe this as being part of the background here it's like really really like cameron said like they're almost silhouetted um and it kind of works in some big shots and then other shots it kind of just becomes so muddled that you're not really sure what you're looking at um but again it makes sense that if this is the prototype and you know the the sort of mastered version of the effect is in lord of the rings then yeah he definitely figured it yeah. out eventually and this is sort of his first pass
1: yeah it's kind of it's way sloppier for sure and that's something that i kind of picked up on right away because i guess we watched you know american pop which actually does some rotoscoping to a much finer level even better than lord of the rings from i remember because
0: you can definitely tell american pop came out after these for sure yeah
1: because it didn't you know even with yeah. lord of the rings the <laughs> rotoscoping there like you could still tell that they were people um until later in the film it actually progresses and gets better throughout the film to be honest (laughs) but you already (laughs) noticed that um but in american pop and i think even in fire ice there's scenes where like they almost like you can't tell if it's rotoscoped if it's like animation or live action because it's so it's done so much better um but these ones right away you're just like damn like you guys are tipping uh with some stuff because there's like you know that the scenes where it's just a background and blackness and you're kind of just making out the shapes the silhouettes uh with the probably the smoky background at that point too and like a colorful yeah he he inserts stock it's not even stock i'm sure that he
2: shot it himself yeah. but these sort of like um again they use it in lord of the rings as well these sort of weird like like color box like it's it's clearly like footage of some sort of like retro reflective material with like lights flying across it and smoke and it creates this really psychedelic (laughs) effect and it's very 70s like it'll be yeah the battle scene has like a lot of insert shots where it's like whoa like crazy magic light effects and then on top of that like yeah like really heavily matted like live action footage with like animated elements on top of it and then like the foreground will be like a real hand-drawn Like cell of like a hillside with like real hand drawn animated characters on it, and it's the weirdest merging of like you're seeing four different. It's a total uh, trippy like
1: like anyone who watches this movie. I'm just like I I wonder what this like is on what this is like on heavy drugs when you guys were making this. Like this must have been a trip for you guys. It's One of the few times that
2: (laughs) it's a lot of times you hear people say, "Oh, they must have been on drugs when they were making this." I'm sure that this is at some point. This is '77. They were on drugs when they were making this. Yeah.
0: No, I bet if you. on drugs watching it you're like it all makes sense and you're (laughs) just
2: like staring at the screen there's a lot of visual things that you can tell somebody was like this totally flies like this is gonna look so wicked and i'm sure that it did at one point in time to that person then I'm sure they show that to like test audiences or something, and then they're like, "The what? I don't. I really think
0: they know showed it I'm to the people at. that made it, <laughs> yeah. and we're like, "Wait, we made this? Yeah, don't you remember, dude? No, so I was high <laughs> the whole time. I don't remember this shit. Like, <laughs> this is what we've been doing. Like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it was.
1: <laughs> what was I going to go with with that too? Um, the, you know, the my favorite part about the battle sequences in Wizards, especially, and I can't believe I haven't brought it up yet, but that soundtrack, dude. Man, some of the funkiest sound yeah, like, that's right. I'll ba- ba- that ba- ba- like, and you're just like, dude, this is the funkiest battle soundtrack ever to World War II fights, and this weird, trippy, like, smoky. <laughs> it like... also creates.
2: It's just like we were saying earlier, though. The tonally, it's so all over the place because, again, that that battle scene happens right after they've been shown the like propaganda footage, which is um pretty stark like they kind of show it and it's just set to like an old German anthem and they're all just kind of watching it And you're like this is a little weird and kind of scary and cold and flat like it's not really it, it feels like emotionless and kind of kind of um, like in, a, in yeah, an intentional yeah. way like they, they're, they're just these creatures seeing this like ancient footage and just absorbing it and then immediately it goes into yeah. funk and like but also on top of the funk horrific scenes of these little elf creatures just getting blown to bits by tank shells yeah it's insane and you see like both
0: battles like the first battle it's just a complete massacre there's no fighting it's just like hey look they're all dead and you're like oh that was it's pretty fucked and the second battle yeah. you at least have more of like oh here's the elves and it's funny because they do like the exact same montage where it's like assemble the armies, and it's like look, it's the silhouette men. Look, it's those guys riding those weird land dragons. that are like, nah, 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 <laughs> nah, 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 nah. and then like uh, you get to the actual fight, and you know the animation changes to the full on. Like okay, here you go. It's uh, elves fighting the more cartoonish demons, and it's like just back and forth stuff to the point where um, I think you know they were only showing the like tanks and other things, which is it's so funny watching this and looking at it going like, okay, those guys have swords. Those guys have like laser guns. Those guys have regular guns. Those guys have tanks. Those guys have arrows. Those guys have artillery. What the fuck is happening? Like yeah. how there's such Ugh. a vast array and you, you just, like I said, you like see like a uh, black wolf and you feel so much like, okay, this is very adult. And then you see his hookers, and you're like, okay, where'd it go? Like, what ha- what just happened? Um, <laughs> and I think two, because back back she actually voiced two characters in it. Um, Did he? Yeah, that, it was the um, uh,
1: three. There's like uh, a guy named Fritz, a reference to Fritz the Cat. Uh, yeah, Fritz, a, and um, the guy that killed Fritz. Where it's like, yeah.
0: Fritz! Oh my god, they killed Fritz! Oh, There's yeah. those gas mask guys! And he's like, little. What do you mean I'm okay, man? He's like, Oh good! Accidentally shoots him, kills him, and he goes, They did! It. They killed Fritz! And <laughs>
2: again a a very funny tonal switch where like you you see that the creatures are really intended to be sort of mature and adult until you get these little interstitials with the um more humanoid mutants the guys in the gas masks and every time even though it switches which guys in gas masks you're seeing it's always funny like it's always like a like a slapstick Mm -hmm. comedy bit but then sometimes the, the topics that they are talking about like that one's pretty funny where he accidentally shoots his friend with a laser gun that's very slapstick but then they have a whole nother one later where it's um, two of those guys uh, going into a church. Oh, and it's my God. Like a Jewish church? Yeah, it's very like unsubtle criticism of like religion. I love that. But then also like they're Nazis and these guys are supposed to be Jewish. And it's like, and then they just kill them. And it, it's it didn't like,
0: make okay, any... well, is... <laughs> they're like, oh, are, is the church going to take in all the prisoners and, and feed them? And they're like, listen, let's pray on it. Give us a second and they start slapping each other's asses and like doing all this weird like i don't
2: even know yeah you you can't really tell who's being made fun of because they're being made to look stupid and it's like okay well clearly nazis are bad Mm. these guys are nazis they're being made to look incompetent and that's funny but then they go into the church and the religious leaders at first are like very um kind of regal looking because they're just sitting there silently listening and then they get up and start to pray and their prayer is literally slapping each other on the butt and uh, just shouting nonsense into the air. And so it's like, okay, well, now he's also making fun of religion. And then and then the scene was resolves with them shooting those two and blowing up the church. And then killing all the
0: prisoners, <laughs> just gutting them down. Yes. And killing all the prisoners, executing everybody. And I'm like,
2: <laughs> so everybody's terrible. It, it's so
0: weird, though. It's like the, the steps it took to get there was, hey, do you want to take these people in and feed them? We'll give you our prisoners. And they go, let's just pray on it. And they just take so long that their attention spans like, I don't have time for this. Let's just fucking kill them and kill the prisoners. Where it's so funny that it's weird that all of that could have been avoided. And instead, it's just like, due to the, the slapstick
2: routines these characters go through, it causes the deaths of many. And so, it's,
1: it's just so if you voice two of those gas mask guys, who is the third guy um... that you voiced? it was somebody else i know he's uncredited for all this stuff too uh, was it the lizard i think it i think it was a lizard thing um, that would be funny that would that would make sense lard bottom lard
0: bottom oh the lard i don't know who that is yeah <laughs> i was like you the lard bottom yeah no i do not know the lard bottom. i forget what the the lizard had a funny name it was just like a regular person name but I don't remember what it was. It was just like Ricky or I don't know. It was just so random. Man, and this but... is one of
1: those movies that like, unless you're watching it and you look back and listen to everything, it's hard to find like deep information on it. The Bakshi stuff,
2: Yeah, I'm actually hard to research. searching Lardbottom, who is that character? And I see a bunch of sources that say, yeah, Lardbottom, the character yeah. from Wizards and not a yes, single exactly, image of him. exactly, yeah. <laughs> um
0: it's just uh, it's literally everyone elbowing each other going you know Lardbottom. lard
2: no, yeah, bottom yeah, yeah. I know it's that. a joke he that. played a prank <laughs> <Yeah>. on us <laughs> well okay so in relation to the uh thing about the battle footage uh so I-, I was curious i looked up uh did he shoot his own footage of extras or did he use footage provided to him in in the public domain uh or provided by the studio um And he did use footage uh, for the battle scenes that was either in the public domain or provided to him, you know, via uh, like he purchased it or, you know, the producing studio owned it. Uh, The movies uh, that were used for battle sequence rotoscoping and um, camera effects uh, were Zulu, El Cid, Battle of the Bulge, Alexander Nevsky, and uh, actual live action sequences where they just insert like real footage uh from Patton were also wow. featured oh
0: interesting yeah i mean i i could definitely see all Quite the battle of bulge stuff there because i've seen that and there's tons of tanks and uh not too much soldiers marching but i could definitely see the tank footage coming from those oh wow that's for so sure. cool. yeah
2: and so that probably was a lot easier on him to because i know that I, I did see one interview uh with him that was like he was kind of just trying to like spread the budget as like evenly and thinly yeah. as possible And to realize that he's like, oh, I've got all this stuff that's like public domain footage or like that I'm legally allowed to use. I'm just going to use that. I'm not going to get guys out into a big field and film them running around in armor if I can help it. And so that was the solution. I just love that Like,
0: he just comes over to his production team and probably went, hey, guys, check it. I want dumpster diving. And these are all the things we could use. Are you excited? And they're like,
2: yeah, yeah, let's
1: let's do this. How hard is it? The whole like optical like how, to, like, how hard the, is all this stuff that Bakshi did? Like, it feels like an immense amount of work by doing all these different strategies versus sticking to one. It's, uh,
2: I, I want to kind of hold off a little bit on talking about the intricacies of the process. Okay. I have a lot of notes on, uh, specifically on rotoscoping, but I think the the optical printer stuff i think was something that he kind of came up with as like a alternative to like hard rotoscoping like where you're sitting doing it uh-huh. by hand i think he kind of came up with it as like a this will get better looking later but we can very quickly get yeah. some shots done now um i don't think it was awful although i mean if you're you're exposing and re-exposing film you know through these giant analog optical printers which i'm sure by today's standards would be hard to anybody um back then i don't really know what the standard of like like difficulty would be for somebody who you know operates um with you know cells and exposing them to film anyway i'm sure for a lot of them it was like not that much different um Although, it's just like, it's kind of hard to imagine. We're so far removed yeah, from that time. Yeah, it just seems like... Uh, I'm sure it was a lot quicker than animating those shots. Yeah, that, I
1: mean, that's what he's always said is exactly what you're saying. It was just to get more shots in and get more of the film completed uh, in, a, in an effective way in a shorter amount of time. Um, but to me, I'm just like, that just seems so hard. Like, it just seems so much more difficult than just writing out or bringing on more people to it. But, I mean, I would love to see, I would love to see, a, like I said, a modern-day rotoscoping just to see how how what you know what somebody can do with that and kind of attribute to bakshi in that sense
2: yeah if you want to see one good example if you've ever watched uh over the garden wall uh there is a brief i don't think it's fully rotoscoped but it is meant to mimic it uh the highwayman's song from uh over the garden wall it's very short it's like 30 seconds uh it's a one-off gag uh, and it's done, I think it's done by um, Dave Baxter, um, <clears throat> who's a famous modern nice. animator who does a lot of like really crazy hand-drawn uh, or, or, you know, stuff by hand. Um, but it's, it's all on ones. It's meant to look like really freaky traced over footage of a real person doing like a song and dance routine while like sort of tipsy and drunk um, with like a really wide fish eye lens. And uh, it, it definitely achieved the effect of being weird and looking otherworldly and very strange and out of place. And, and the whole story of that episode is it's two characters who get lost in the woods and they're, you know, in a um, like a little tavern. And this very strange man just starts doing this song and dance routine on the stage of the tavern. And they just were like, I guess the animators like, we want this to look as strange as possible. Let's change the style and make it look like one of those old like, this is rotoscope from a real guy (laughs) kind of things. But while still keeping his design cartoony and uh, yeah, on top of that, we'll just throw a crazy fisheye effect where like every time a part of his body gets closer to the camera, it gets much bigger, like 10 times bigger. (laughs) And so that's uh, the only example I can think of of a modern take on the same idea, but never like a whole show or movie or anything like that. And
1: I guess it was just like, it's so shocking to see this type of animation and style versus you know the Mirakam uh the what is, I was I would say Mirakami, and that's not that's a writer uh, <laughs> um that we just covered for February Miyazaki Miyazaki yeah there you go um yeah it's a total <laughs> different writer um but like just the animation styles of course there's like a 10 year difference between those but like dude it's it's kind of crazy like just comparing the type of animated movies that one part of the world was producing versus the other at that time.
0: Well, also, uh, at the time, I believe Rescuers came out uh, from Disney. The little Two Little Mice oh, yeah. uh, movie. And apparently, like, I mean, this movie was budgeted, and so was Rescuers. Rescuers was low budget. It cost, like, if I'm looking at it correctly, it cost seven and a half times more than Wizards cost to make. Oh, wow. Um, So it just kind of puts things into perspective. And they, they they said, like, Rescuers was low budget compared to what they usually spend on, like, I guess, a Disney animated film at that point and i thought it was really interesting in the fact that also uh there's a lot of george lucas inclusion uh in terms of uh i guess trying to keep things separate from star wars one uh it was pulled from theaters because of star wars oh wow it it was it was actually successful in the box office but it was like star wars time and like it, it, it fox had it pulled and Bakshi apparently was okay with it because he wanted uh Lucas's film to succeed but uh oh, Star Wars also had a big hand in the title originally it was called war wizards
1: that's right and yeah. George Lucas oh, asked for was the, the title with... to be changed
0: mm. yeah and that's why it's just wizards um I honestly don't think it would have made a difference but
3: uh, <laughs> yeah honestly, you know
0: either way it works i don't it, putting war in front would still have it not match anything else that i've seen in that movie or on the cover i was, still would have been like huh <laughs> when it actually unfolds so
2: it's yeah it was just interesting but yeah um so you said rescuers was made for less no no it was made more
0: it rescuers was a, was a low budget disney film but it cost seven and a half times more than uh wizards did
2: Than Wizards really yeah apparently huh. wizards had a million okay, dollar that's budget. interesting it was uh it was, two million, oh, it was two million. okay i believe yeah let me uh look up my numbers again I, I was like i wasn't sure if it was um yeah it was two million roughly uh i wasn't sure if i should get into numbers now or later because it's going to be a huge discussion about budget and rotoscoping. I'll bring it in now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to just yeah, bring it in now? Okay, I had here we go. About
1: that. Just all I knew was that um, he had to pay out of his own pocket to finish the film. Because that's why they rotoscoped some stuff too. Because they wouldn't give him money.
2: Yeah, so I'm very curious how this is all going to add up. And what y'all's opinions will be on this. Because it, it definitely kind of, I don't know if this just simply speaks to the 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 state of um, like you know the public's interest in animation at the time or um or what but uh it, I, I decided for a comparison i know who invented the rotoscope it was Mac F- max fleischer oh, wow. uh and he invented it in uh 1915 <laughs> um and he actually made quite a bit with it and i was curious if i could compare the budgets of some of the famous things that he made with the rotoscope in its like early years to uh the budget of wizards and how much like was being spent per minute of animation on something that had you know that much rotoscoping in it because he used it a lot so um little quick history lesson max fleischer who is very famous for being the creator of uh popeye and betty boop okay uh, he invented the rotoscope in 1915. It was approved uh, for its patent in 1917 and went into use in his studio, um, which was just called Fleischer Studios. And some of the earliest examples of him using it were f- for a series of shorts, uh, old black and white shorts called Out of the Inkwell. And specifically, there was a character that he uh, based it on or based it around uh, called Coco the Clown uh which was uh sort of his earliest test character he and his brother i believe it was would uh do test shots at his house every day after work in 1915 while they were like leading up to the patent being approved um to prove that it was a viable you know way to do animation where his brother would literally dress up as a clown and he would like dance around and they would film it and then he would trace it um, using a projector that shines up through a light screen onto you know uh the pieces of paper that he animates on and so uh, he later, you know, incorporated that character into his uh, short series. And uh, he was like, every time this character appears, he's going to be roto because that's kind of the style. And it's fun to see like a traditionally animated character next to a rotod character. That's clearly like a guy, like a real person that's just been traced. Um, but he did a pretty good job of making sure that he loosely traces it it doesn't really perfectly adhere to the exact proportions of the body he mainly gets the hands very close and the head placement very close and the feet placement very close but the rest of the body kind of has a little bit of looseness to freely move a bit more like an animated character so it's not too uncanny valley um but later that character started making appearances in betty boop and um that character coco uh in one particular uh betty boop short uh turns into a ghost and if you've ever seen the betty boop clip that's kind of famous now because i think it's been used in a few like music videos of the long-legged dancing ghost uh if i bet if i showed you a screenshot of it you might be like yeah i've seen that character before the weird like dancing ghost with like long legs and big fat like clown shoes that's uh just coco the clown turned into a ghost um that was actually rotoscoped from a performance uh, by jazz star Cab Calloway. Oh, too and cool. the song that he sings is a Cab Calloway song. Um, they even got the lip sync like timed up and everything. And... Um... So, uh, and that really lends itself to the whole like strategy that he had where he's like the hands and feet and the head will all kind of like move with the character. But he's like, I'm going to get these crazy long limbs, especially these long legs to sort of do their own thing. So he doesn't ever look too much like a person. He clearly doesn't have a person's proportions. So I'm going to like cheat it. And it was sort of like a staple in his work that um, kept his characters from ever appearing too human. Um, But then he kind of pushed it uh, to its absolute limits or I guess not him but Disney pushed it to its sort of absolute limits of like how much can you just trace a person in 1938 with Snow oh, White wow. uh, the scene where she dances with the dwarves is just footage of somebody actually dancing that makes sense. and she's just And when you watch it, I hadn't seen it in forever. I watched that scene. I'm like, oh, gosh, yeah, look at that, like dress motion. That's so real. Like, that's clearly not somebody drawing by hand. Like, that's clearly traced off of a person. And apparently what happened was Disney saw that and they were like, this is great for this movie, but we're actually going to tell our animators they are not allowed to do this anymore. Um, We do not like where this is going with the possibility that we could just trace people And it feels like cheating and because of like almost our sense of honor they were like we want it to be that from now on our animators are allowed to look at reference they can have video footage provided them if they want it they can have somebody come in and act out a scene in front of them they can have mirrors to look at themselves for reference they can have photographs anything but they cannot trace footage um ironically though that piece of footage of her dancing has been reused in many animated features by disney uh, they use it as oh you've probably seen you know uh, in Robin Hood, uh, what, what's it Maid Marian mm-hmm. like she dances it's same dance uh, in I think in Jungle Book uh, like I think one of like is it Blue who dances yeah it's like Blue the same Malou- dance. maybe, yeah like yeah. Yeah, there's like a bunch of these dance scenes where they've like just taken the Aristocats. It's like the huh. same dance. Oh, that. Um, makes- so that piece of footage, it's like it's like a Wilhelm scream. Like they just keep throwing it in there, even though they kind of said we're not allowed to do this anymore. Like, okay, we'll we'll trace over it again. How many times can we retrace the same footage until it just ceases to be that footage anymore? That's too funny. Um. So then after that, uh, and Disney kind of stopped using it, Fleischer came back and was like, "Well, okay, I'm gonna try and produce." A, a series of shorts that are essentially a show. Um, shows in the traditional sense didn't really exist in this way back then. These were more like shorts that would play at a theater during like a um, you know, like a, like a real fest where they just show like a bunch of cartoon shorts or like before a feature length movie. Um, but he was commissioned to do a series of Superman oh, shorts okay. uh, around 9-10 minutes each. Uh, if you ever look up the Fleischer Superman serials that's kind of what they're known as. They are 17 episodes uh, total. Um, Very, very clean and very influential on the look of later, uh, you know, high budget animated features, because on that scale, not not only were they, you know, influential in just the style, but they were also in color, which was a big deal. Um, And these were in the 40s, 1941, uh, he was asked to produce these. And so the whole thing
1: almost entirely has rotoscoped animation for all the characters. That totally um, makes sense. I and, never realized I was rotoscope, but like, I've seen those cartoons a few times cause they're actually pretty cool for Superman cartoons. They have yeah. like a great texture it, and just the way. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is like an oil yeah, exactly. quality to
2: it. Like he's very precise about how he makes the characters look. They don't look flat no. at all. Everyone has like weirdly realistic mm-hmm. shadows and like, it, it makes sense. He's looking at video of real people that were dressed that up as those characters cool. really acting out the scenes. And, um, so the whole thing they average around nine minutes a piece there's some that are shorter some that are longer but um it's like eight to ten minutes uh roughly because a reel i think was like around 10 minutes of footage i think for something like that like they they said we want to keep it on one small Mm -hmm. reel so 10 minutes is your limit um and so uh I don't think he had a direct hand in every single episode. I think he did like the first half and then the last half, he just sort of oversaw as a producer, but the technique had been kind of set and they used it throughout the entire thing. So um, I did a little math and I was like, okay, for accounting for inflation, what was the, what was the total budget of all 17 episodes? Um, And I think, let me see, I wrote it all down. I think it was a, in today's money, half a million per episode. Damn. Um and they were like 10 sp- minutes
0: long or 17 minutes long?
2: They're 10 minutes long and 17 episodes total. So um Damn. doing the math, uh just skipping to the end of all of it, for every minute of animation in the Superman shorts, roughly five uh fifty-five and a half thousand dollars were being spent per minute of on-screen animation. Um which is a very high budget yeah. for the time and that's in today's money. Um and and they've held up incredibly well. Uh there's there's really nothing that you would I think if you showed that to the average person they probably wouldn't even realize that this is yeah. rotoscoped or you know it, some people would say it's ch- cheating but like it really looks clean the technique that he's used. But then in 77 Wizards um had a budget of around 2 million uh which in today's money is 9.8 million. And the film is uh, 140 minutes of animation. And so per minute of animation, it's uh, about $70,500 per minute. So accounting for inflation, those Superman shorts cost less, but they've aged better. for real. Which is interesting. And I'm like, well, and it has a lot to do maybe with the fact that Fleischer is the inventor of the rotoscope. So of course, he's going to have like a more deft hand at it. And like you said, like, it seems like um, Bakshi was kind of figuring it out as he went. Like, it clearly, he gets better over time, not only from movie to movie, but sometimes in the same (laughs) movie, like near the end of the movie, it looks cleaner. And so it's kind of interesting to be like, huh, I wonder if like the fact that it cost more, even when accounting for inflation was just because like, you know, maybe it had something to do with like the public's interest in you know animation being at a different level you know at these two different points in history um but also like uh Fleischer had more employees working for him than Bakshi did when Wizards was made Fleischer back in the 40s had something like um I'm trying to remember where I wrote it down but he had something like 50 employees wow compared to uh, how much did Bakshi have actually had like somewhere between 30 and 40 according to a 1981 yeah. article from uh washington post wow. they cited it as around 30 yeah, to 40 so larger. he's got more people working for him for less money producing a product that has aged better be, uh, uh, from somebody who seems to have already sort of figured out the kinks you know of rotoscoping uh and so it's like I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. I have, it's 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 interesting to look at uh, wizards as like an experimental piece. I think
1: it also deals um, with like you know Max is doing with, um, and I'd say there was a too big of a deal at that point. But like just in general, like a higher tier of uh, of a character. Um, and so when you're going for like that Superman DC aesthetic, you have to meet certain standards no matter what. And I think they even upheld that back in the day. So like that quality, I think, was just emphasized there because of the character superman um in one aspect but also ralph was also a very indie you know underground comic uh painter and lover and everything at that time so like you know when you look at uh robert crumb and stuff like that in the 70s that's the point of style ralph was going for so like his dirtier you know appeal kind of just went with like what he was inspired by at that point um so i think that yeah, was like maybe
2: it was just sort of the the cleanliness of the DC yeah, like, yeah. you know license being you know under uh under Fleischer's belt like you know apparently if you wanted to to do anything with Superman that was not currently like canon in the comics he had to put in a uh, request yeah. for it they were, um, they were such an, a big actually,
1: Superman uh you know gun uh gun show at that point too because of like just what was going on in the world and it was like the biggest character and so like he was everywhere that's when superman was blowing up more than ever with you know uh, fucking everything that was going on in the 40s when that shit was made (laughs) so i think that was a big aspect people want to see something very positive Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so he's a good character for that i guess yeah that does probably a a lot of it probably comes from this was his first thing out of yeah this was like his first fantasy attempt, um, in a sense. Wizards. Before that, he had just done the animated Fritz the Cat*, which is dirty. That's a dirty film in every sense of the way possible. Um, and then yes, he so had done is. what *Coonskin* and stuff like that. So like his style and yeah, his. No, continue, continue. Yeah, like, right, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's a, uh, it's a. Uh, I- I've never seen um his some of his earlier work, *Coonskin*, coonskin or what's the other one um
0: there's like three or four others that are like uh before wizards yeah um Fritz and i was cat looking at them
1: fucking great though if you guys ever watch it so so where did he get his budget for that you said a lot of it's out of his own
2: pocket did he get a like um i mean it, it was his mm-hmm. studio right and so where where did the budget come from was there like a parent studio or like a producer that he got a lot of well, this from Fox or, was yeah. funding it originally and distributing yeah, 20th it. century. Okay. Fox,
1: yeah. I want to say there. Cause then they also, yeah, because there was a meeting where with him and George Lucas, when they were asking about more money and Fox didn't want to give either one of them more money. Um, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So
0: before this, he had three other films. It started off 1972 Fritz, the cat, uh, which I will say really fast. Um, my mom actually went to see that. When I think it originally came out, oh, she Lord. thought it was supposed to be like Felix the Cat.
1: Yeah, everyone makes that up. Everybody mixes that up. So her and totally her friend
0: different. are going and they're like, oh boy, Felix the Cat. Probably I at college or something. But uh, they didn't last long in the theater. They left pretty fast and were like, that wasn't that wasn't Felix the Cat. That definitely was not after everything they see. Because it's like his, his first couple movies are X-rated. They're not yeah. even R-rated. They were X-rated for the time... Also, considering we're looking at Wizards, PG and it got, you know, yeah, tits and, everything else pretty wild. and, you know, the other first ones. And it was like that was 1972. 73 was heavy traffic. 74 is coonskin. Heavy traffic, that's what I was thinking. Three of. years later came Wizards. So you can kind of tell also Wizards, I think they were definitely going up at higher level there. Yeah. And there was like one movie between American pop and fire and ice that was called like, Hey, good looking. Oh. And I looked at just I, and, well, I haven't watched any of these. I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't think I plan on watching any of these. <laughs>
1: um I, I think this is the end of the box she run oh no, you're gonna watch so I, don't, like I, don't, I don't i don't want to do those <laughs> but i'm it's looking on Amazon at Prime. And, it's free right now go watch it on Amazon Oh Amazon god
0: Prime. yeah it's, it's got to pay me though um but like you look at the animation for all these other films that he did earlier and they are so just strange yeah looking. like it's very yeah. like cartoony as in like oh it's not like, oh, it's an animated character. I mean, like, they look like a weird, like, cartoonish thing via their, like, the, their, the design of their faces, their mouths, yeah. everything just looks so weird. And I could see why, like, they he did these movies and then he went into Wizards. So, the stuff that's, like, not all the, like, live action type thing a lot of them you feel that coming into it, mainly with all the demons, especially, or, like, the mutants or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I see what he was going with there and, like, kind of, like, his evolution leaving that area and kind of evolving into... He he needs to kind of get something that's going to be a little bit more recognizable by general audiences because he's got a big studio over him now and (laughs) stuff. And it's it's weird looking at all of them because they all don't even look like the same type of animation style looking through his earlier films and it's like it's kind of like he's finding what it's supposed to look like but even then as it progresses like they still you get to fire and ice you get to american pop they all feel completely different than each other like i don't think one movie looks the same they all just look completely different in style and it's so strange <laughs> yeah. to see someone do that because usually you know you look at a lot of animated things in this world and they almost feel like there's like a trademark of, yeah, that's that creator that worked on it. Like the Miyazaki movies all feel very similar in the way the characters look and feel. Um, You could say the same thing in terms of like animation teams, like the animation team that works on Bob's Burgers and those other shows that look like Bob's Burgers. Same thing with Rick and Morty and um, what's it called? Uh, Adventure Time and stuff. They all have like these distinct styles that are then produced into other types of shows and i keep thinking it's like the same type of show but i'm like oh no it's a different show it's just the same animation team whereas this
2: yeah no this is like <laughs> <laughs> the the funny thing is the the character designs i guess from one Bakshi film to another are not necessarily uniform but what is uniform is is love of weird yeah. experimental like backgrounds mm-hmm. and stuff like well i guess that's something we should definitely talk about in this movie a lot of the backdrops are in like not only uh you know do you have all these weird stylistic you know changes between like animation styles and whatnot um you know rotoscoping versus traditional versus you know these like composited pieces of footage and whatnot you also get a heavy amount of variety in the look and feel of the backdrop paintings that the animations live on top of because it's like whenever yeah well yeah i was gonna say they're actually the best looking thing in the whole movie whenever you get those exterior shots of um i can't remember the actual name of the castle black wolf's castle it's always in this like heavily sketchy like pin style where it looks like somebody's taken like a very fine tipped like ballpoint pen um and done like really really intricate like etchy line work and then like painted over it with like watercolors Mm -hmm. or something um which is in like really sharp contrast to the very soft look of like the magical world and it, it feels really interesting to have the like, because well, they, they begin starting to show as Black Wolf's castle gets built up, it becomes more and more industrial until it literally just looks like industrialized. Producing that's, tanks. That's what it's supposed
0: Some to be. Yeah, he like, yeah, literally
2: starts just producing factory
0: tanks. Yeah. Well, like... <laughs> to this wizard's castle, you have tanks and like that
1: fuck the textures <laughs> yeah, on like yeah. the floor on his castle and stuff like that they just they get trippier and trippier too like they're kind of flat in the beginning and then you start seeing the lines like the way they etched them out especially in the final scene where avatar confronts him like that entire backdrop is super trippy um
2: ah yeah it looks like a um an mc escher yeah like, uh you know inverted stare exactly. like, like it has that where it's like i can't tell where this perspective mm-hmm. even is anymore like there's no vanishing points at, at that point like they're both sort of standing on what looks like just two pieces of sort of floating <laughs> yeah. geometry with very weird interconnecting webs of like lattice work and stuff uh like connecting them and uh, there's and like perspective like twists and turns as it goes out to the corners of the page Very wild choice, but very cool. That's one of the style choices that I was like, that's actually awesome. Like that's not even experimental in like a funny way. That's really cool. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's like Bakshi's signature thing. Is that like you're right, I don't think I'd recognize it by the artwork, but the minute you put that film on, I'd know it's a Bakshee film. Like the moment it like just from how the backdrops every single one of his movies has like backdrops, some sort of exposition, the rotoscoping um and that bizarre it's fucking, strange. It's fucking strange strange <laughs> like there's n- none of it uh, story wise like it's not a conventional story structure either if you would say like really well, an, yeah like getting into the armature right oh not even that in general like uh with well, that this one's just a mess in that sense you know that's what i'm like uh, is there you know I, typically we always talk about i mean i think the armatures so, like, what? I can't even fucking <laughs> think about it. Uh, so, what? an armature basically is, Ty. Like, we've kind of discussed... We tried discussing it on the show um, for every episode this year. Is, uh, you know, an armature is when they make a mask, like, in a horror movie. They have, like, the frame. And that's called the armature. So, when pieces fall yeah. apart, they still have the base to come back to. So, when the story starts to stray, they come back to this thing, you know? So, like, what's the
0: framework yeah, of the exactly. story?
1: And this one, I mean...
0: It's Miyazaki was 20 times easier. I'll tell you right yeah, now. <laughs> it really
1: was. This one is very much uh, like just technology versus nature in a sense and how they collide in butt heads and how how difficult it is to keep that balance between the two and what can happen when there's an imbalance in a sense. That's well, you know what's funny? No, no, uh, oh, I was sorry, that, that's, gonna... that's what I got out I of it at that point.
2: Well, you mentioned Miyazaki and like comparing it. I mean, kind of similar themes in a way. Something that definitely strikes me about this and I I did not look this up and I just thought I really should address it is the um, Miyazaki often says in interviews like his films are kind of done from start to finish where he will just start boarding and they will start animating and uh, and he'll just kind of continue doing storyboards and script changes as it goes along and often the end of the storyboarding process will coincide with the ending of the animation process sometimes they're done like days apart um and that's kind of you know that that stream of consciousness style of writing is like a big thing that he likes to do this also definitely feels like it was done in a stream of consciousness sort of way where like the script was being formed as the movie was being made because there's stuff in here that feels like it's going to build to something and then yeah. like it doesn't yeah and it feels like that was like a very like a, a good example is at the start of the movie um when we meet i'm trying to remember her name the fairy princess oh uh, you know, she was um uh, oh, no. eleanor yeah. right um yeah she's studying under avatar to learn her fairy magic and i thought okay in a conventional movie we're gonna see her Grow in that uh, yeah. aspect throughout the movie, and at the end of the movie, she's going to unleash her fairy magic. And as a result of her teachings, well, no, in this movie, she kind of just busts out the full fledged fairy magic halfway through the movie for for no real explicable reason other than it's kind of funny, and then they don't really address it again Not to and the very sort of a, very end. It feels like, like a, I'm
1: going to have a teacher with me because they're dating now and. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it feels like a stream of consciousness decision where somebody was like in the middle of creating the scene where she get captured gets captured and thought, wouldn't it be funny if she like unleashed some fairy magic and it like created a monster and that was like a little slapstick moment while Avatar's trying to negotiate the monster's trying to like eat her, and um, it doesn't really there's no moral lesson in that scene. It's just to yeah. be funny, yep. and uh, I was like, that's that, that no modern you know screenwriter would choose to interject you know a, a pivotal moment moment in what she said is her like core sort of purpose as, as like a a student of avatar like no nobody would like turn that into a joke scene um but they did and it, it, it's fine if that's what he wants to do it just kind of felt like something that was a spur of the moment decision and there's like a few more that i kept thinking this feels like it was something that somebody on the day of was like wouldn't this be funny and then they animated it i mean <laughs> like-, like looking at the final
0: confrontation between Avatar and uh, Black Wolf. You know, Avatar is fed up from all, like, the betrayal and everything else, or p- potential betrayal. That's a spurt. Yeah, it's if, just, like, about the ending of this I movie? have a gun, that and he's, like, like something... bang. And I'm, like, Wasn't, <laughs> what? what the fuck? And it's, like, all we figured out how it's to stop says. Black Wolf
2: it was just we needed the gun. <laughs> so, okay. Well, the whole lead-up is what makes yeah. it so funny, is because so what they they the, the the group of adventures you know they, they go through some twists and turns they get lost in the woods they get lost in the arctic they they finally reunite and everybody comes together and meets with a um uh an elf army that's just outside black wolf's castle and uh they're all like avatars here he's gonna save us he's gonna bless our army to to have a you know a full-fledged victory and then he kind of shoots them all down he's like no no he's like you all are using violence to solve yeah. this problem like no that's wrong and he he keeps up that sort of mentality until eleanor seemingly double crosses yeah. them and which was um, so random and-
1: so <laughs> random you don't so random
2: yeah she suddenly what d- doesn't she kill peace she piece? kills peace yeah. and he and- deflates yeah. He, he
0: deflates yeah, like a yeah, fucking balloon. It's like, oh no, someone get like a pump to blow him back up or something, I guess. I
1: don't know. <laughs> yeah. And for being that a robot suddenly like a that, right? Like you're just like, how does is he okay. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> he made of...
2: Yeah, you never see his insides. Yeah, she kills Peace, hops into an enemy tank, and is whisked away to the castle, and that, you know, causes um that causes Avatar to become incredibly depressed, and Weehawk tries to cheer him up and he's like, We have to finish the mission. Um so he begrudgingly, you know, goes to the castle and he, he kind of becomes a little drunk yeah. for a little bit. He's like at the castle and he he doesn't even want to do anything. He's just like using his magic to kind of mess with the, the Nazi the local demon generals. Mutants. Yeah, they're like demon Nazi generals. And they think it's funny until they realize that he's Avatar, the great wizard. And then they try to capture him and Weehawk has to fight them. And finally, you know, Weehawk gets him all the way up to, uh, to to his brother's, you know, tower and we hawk runs off to go and try and find eleanor who we later learned was just
1: brainwashed and that's why she another convinced. random thing with eleanor um, you're just like oh brainwashed. that's that's why she did it yeah yeah, that, that, yeah oh, that was the oh, just
0: like when did that happen i don't know. He just, do he could do that did. right we haven't uh, defined yeah, it she just
1: says yeah <laughs> like,
2: yeah and he's just standing there and uh they have a little they have a little monologue together where they're just like you know uh it's like ah it's been years brother like i have not seen you this is the final yeah. showdown <laughs> Then he, what does he say? He says, I'm gonna use something on you that Ma taught me when yeah. you weren't around. <laughs> and he starts like reaching into his robe, and they're still like monologuing at each other. And then Avatar says, Uh, and by the way, I'm what he says, like, I'm happy you changed your last name, you yeah. son of a bitch. And then he pulls out a, a not just any pistol, a, a Luger, yeah. and uh, and he shoots uh, uh, he shoots his brother through the heart and kills him and that's the end of the movie it's like it's like like violence and then they
0: come into like the whole thing is like we have to stop avatar and they get there and it's like oh he's already dead and it's like eleanor's fine she was just brainwashed oh joy and they just leave and i'm like (laughs) to
1: me i'm just like what's the purpose of that move unless you're trying to emphasize like only evil can kill evil or like you know their medicine type of you know what i mean like some sort of i was just like or it was just like Deuces Machina <laughs> where you're just like, that was way too convenient, guys. Like, it feels like the the it feels like they were trying to say like, you know what? Sometimes you can't
2: talk it out. Sometimes some guys just need to be <laughs> yeah, put- right, Sometimes,
0: yeah. Like, you you just, really just feels like a, it's the moral of the just them. gotta kill a Nazi when you see him. That's it. Sometimes,
2: yeah. That's it. Literally feels like some like, you know what? You can't reason with Nazis. <laughs> like that's the- <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So he shoots him. For a movie called Wizards, I expected a magical, like, all-out battle at the nope. end. Nope. Gun. Just one wizard <laughs> pulling out a gun and shooting the other in the heart, and that's the finale. <laughs> And it's that, that
0: quick. I'm gonna go oh. bang this brainwashed girl now and start our own kingdom. Yeah, yeah it could be King yeah, yeah. And they they're over. It's all... so fucking random. I'm like, and you know, it makes me
1: on? so curious on like what Wizards Two was gonna be because there was supposed to be a sequel. Oh yeah, and Ralph. Like even in 2015, he was had talking the about agenda. it. It's, <laughs> it right, straight up though, <laughs> it was supposed to take place like with uh where. It, Avatar and Eleanor with Eleanor relationship, and how it doesn't work out, and then Weehawk gets in the way. And then it was just what? he was just defined as like madness. It's just absolute madness. And then you're like, all right, Ralph, like, alright, whatever.
0: Ralph, can you do anything else? Like it, it's funny because apparently... it, I bet the end would have been like, you know, it's better red than dead better dead than red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <he> shoots <laughs> in that was the ending a... of that one.
2: <laughs> I think it's just it's it's a funny ending. It's really it really catches you off guard. Um, the only—I I really feel like it, I just wanted it to. I wanted the movie to spell it out for me. What was yeah. that about? Because again, it—you can kind of imply that, it, you know, it's—it's it's the result of him being um, demoralized by by thinking that one of his friends betrayed him. That he's no longer going with the tactic that he said this whole movie, where he's like, I, you know, violence isn't the answer. It, you know, he suddenly switches tone the instant that eleanor seems to betray him so i, I guess that the movie's implying that that was just and, he, and you know that he's in love with love her. The so bitch, i like. guess that the <laughs> yeah i guess that he's just like it, he's so heartbroken that he's given up all of his morals and he decided i just gotta take this guy out it's the only joy i have left to shoot my brother yep, through the heart yeah. like <laughs> so I
1: Guess, right? <laughs> happen, right? It's, just, it's one of yeah, those things. That's I'm like, Bashki movies kind of leave you questioning a lot within the story. This one more than others, though. Yeah. I would Yeah, like I said, there's like a thousand little loose threads of like, man, we have like 20 messages. You kind of get to pick and pull which one you uh related to the most, and that's what the movie was about for you. Um, yeah, yeah. and it's it's kind of crazy because like uh, Bashki has been coming up a lot more in media and just. Stuff like this in general. Um, I don't know why there's a resurgence in interest in him. There is, isn't there? Um, and it's just maybe it's just like he had the way he did stuff, you know, running his studio and bringing people on. And um, he has a great history of you know, interacting with great creators like Mark Hamill. He even almost had Jack Kirby work for him at one point, um, which would have been crazy. Uh, but uh, he even went on to do like my favorite thing he did post this as we wrap up this conversation. Um, was that he worked on Mighty uh, Mighty Mouse. And when he got when they canceled Mighty <laughs> Mouse and he got fired because they thought that Mighty Mouse was doing coke on an uh, episode when, in fact, he was crushing a flower and snorting it because it, like, reminded him of the love he had from the girl. It, like, it was a whole thing. <laughs> Dude, Mighty Mouse and, doing coke. <laughs> and even Ralph was just like, I despise drugs. And we're like, I don't get that message in anything you've ever done, Ralph. Yeah, like, no, don't ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs>
2: uh... Don't get that message. That was the... He realized, oh, gosh, I have I have another studio yeah. breathing down my neck. I better say something believable. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> he sees, says the least believable thing you've ever heard. <laughs> well, he's getting high on life.
1: And when that studio closed and Mighty Mouse got shut down, some of those people went on to go create a new show that we all love and hold dearly to our hearts, which go is Cat. Batman the Animated Series.
0: Bruce, that was that team bruce Ooh. tim was working on
1: that with them yeah
0: oh that makes so much more sense now of course bruce Timm oh didn't. wow
2: wait so that means it comes full circle because bruce tim is quoted as saying that one of his major inspirations was the max fleischer oh, wow. superman serials yeah. because of the oil painting nice. look, which and and that sort of you know very expressive but like still sort of you know human proportion rotoscope yeah. style like that's that, very apparent in Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, that so Batman intro, like
0: the intro all for the it way makes around. a lot of sense now. That, that definitely matches up. Right. Holy shit! Interesting Amazing.
1: stuff. Cool things. Um, I'm glad wow. it
0: took a, a strange fucking movie that just had me more confused than anything to bring me to. Hey, look! It's Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. I'm like, oh boy,
2: <laughs> So, so do you <laughs> do you think that uh, the reason that there's been this resurgence in Ralph Bakshi, like? movies it's funny that you would even say you know you've noticed it because i've noticed it Uh, my co-workers at work uh, like last year i think brought up ralph bakshi like randomly and that's how i kind of first had wizards drawn to my attention um do you think it's because like nowadays when you see any movie it's almost always sort of like corporatized and like you know ralph bakshi was like it's weird to us to see somebody like so like wholeheartedly have control over his odd little creation. You know, and you just don't see that anymore with like movies with a budget. You I'm know? seeing
1: that more it's with like, that's like so movies bizarre. with comics. I'm seeing such a draw to that indie independent DIY like punk rock mindset versus the corporate yeah. like and I mean that just could be where like our entire you know, system is going at this point. When you look at when you pull back the scope even more, where we're all like anti-corporation and stuff like that, where we're you're going, just getting more yeah.
0: shoved down your throat by Disney at this point. Yeah, yeah. you know, and Star Wars yeah.
1: and everything. And I'm I'm interacting with people more and more, and they're just so drawn to indie books and indie creators. And we've done a big focus of that on our show. And i it's just kind of I think they're going to the roots of some of this too. You know, and they're looking at like, well, where did some of this start, and what what kind of influence these people and things like that, and kind of actually doing research and history on some of this stuff, and they're finding out stuff like Bakshi is amazing. Like, I I love stuff from the 70s, and that's just because I realized stuff from the 70s is fucking out of this world for what they were doing. And, like, I mean, like... <laughs> a a I was a big, I'm, like, a big Columbo and MASH fan and whatnot because I think it's brilliant storylines and writing and stuff. But it's, like, quality goes a long way in the sense of, like, also not everything was so dark. Like, it was very kind of bright and hopeful in a sense and like exciting and you got to see contrast between good and evil in that sense and now everything is very i mean we, euphoria is is like the main show you know um but i think it's just that drawn to indie creations and maybe just possibly like digging into like well all this stuff that's out right now kind of sucks what can i find and we're going back to our roots a bit more
2: yeah i'm, I'm sure some of it as well as uh like we were saying earlier uh necron is mm-hmm. like such an iconic like recognizable symbol like beyond this yeah. movie you just see him on like merchandise and it's like what is this guy I like never i've knew. known people who have had like stickers exactly. of him and i didn't know what it was from uh and i'm sure people have even seen that and been like wait this guy is not just like some weird mascot for yeah. like, a company this is from like a movie <laughs> and then they'll just like find this movie
1: yeah that's um kind of what we were talking about with my neighbor totoro where you know totoro is like the the logo oh, yeah totoro is like
2: a very marketable yeah. thing beyond just but the it's movie, such a small stuff.
1: part in the movie in that sense too you know just i mean it's weird how necron 99 is like not even the first character you see he's kind of introduced like 20 minutes into the film and kind of dies 20 minutes before the film even ends like He's yeah, like he, just, a yeah he deflates. Yeah. And I'm like,
0: is that a is come back?
1: No. no. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like in All any right. sense whatsoever. Even in a sequel, it wasn't even mentioned. But I mean, I I really hope that Bakshi does somehow come out with the Wizards too. The script's done. Everything's finished for it. I mean, but he he's retired. He's <laughs> really? like, you know, kind of out of the industry in the sense. Um, but who knows what he might spit out uh at some point before he passes he's in santa fe New no, Mexico no, no. Too. so that's not too far from my own my old stomping grounds
2: oh yeah. cool when, i know that there's some comics that are in the wizards universe oh, Really, they're not like yeah I, I was looking i did see like i think on it's it's on the wiki i saw that there was like it's not officially any connection to like his um sequel plans, but they are I think they are officially approved and it is just like a short series of like episodic huh. comics that do take place within the Wizards Gotta universe. Hunt those um, down now. <laughs> yeah. I mean make sure I'm not just saying nonsense. But also one of his
0: other uh properties, or I guess like Human Friends at property, um Fire and Ice, there is a I guess movie somewhere in development by robert rodriguez yeah as well. and that's
1: just a movie limbo too yeah there's yeah and, among as many other movie limbo's you know stuff like i'm not surprised because when you look at what's happening with some of the stuff that's really popular right now uh was it was it love sex and robots that's a netflix show right yeah oh, the anthology? Oh. yeah the anthology and that came out because they were trying to do another heavy metal movie and i mean heavy metal is like one of my top favorite movies ever and that anthology movie has inspired so much that when they try to reboot it they I think there was something with the rights they couldn't exactly get from them um, so they just created Love Sex and Robots they just changed the title literally but it was still that same concept of the heavy metal anthology movie so i bet people were even looking further back into like what else is like this you know essence that's going up
2: i know the whole point of that show is just to bring on studios and have them make like weird experimental mm-hmm. stuff i mean
1: everyone's doing anthology um,
2: work
0: now at this point yeah. like you see each kind of channel is getting their own like we have love death and robots you have the star wars visions mm-hmm. and more and more um where that one i guess is a little bit different because that's like specifically well it's getting more creators, creators out there
1: too which is cool yeah and, and you're seeing that a lot with indie creators too doing anthology books um and getting your, their kind of kickstart and whatnot so it's kind of i probably the direction we're going to see things go for a while i mean it's always been a thing i mean heavy metal magazine's been around since the 70s and that was a huge influence on stuff like that. But this all dates back to pulp stuff where they would have anthologies of stories and everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I think, I think that's everything. Yeah, right? That was a, that I'm was a good sure chunk of it. That was, yeah, we actually chunk. really, that,
1: that was, that. dude, that was thank good. you so much for all that information. I am so hyped. Oh, to no hear problem. Stuff like that. Like that is just Awesome so awesome so thanks for sharing that
2: i was just like so interested in as soon as i realized there was some rotoscoping i was like i know i know that guy i know max fleischer Mm -hmm. i should like look up the stuff about i don't know why that didn't dawn when
0: i
1: last looked up rotoscoping that it was max fleischer i
0: know we talked about it a bit i want to say with fire and ice like we we probably maybe it's just been that
1: long i didn't uh, it's just been like over a year yeah at this point not oh yeah yeah at this point yeah But Um, I can't wait to have you for Lord of the Rings if you're on that episode too. Because I'm sure you're going to dump more information on that. I'm
2: definitely going to have a lot more like, (laughs) I don't know, concrete things to say about Lord of the Rings. I don't even want to say like positive. Just like more concrete because it's like clearly a little bit more focused. Yeah, it'll be a lot easier to get experimental stuff. It's not
0: all over the place. And I'm not going to lie, of course, there will be comparisons to probably the book and the film. Yeah. uh, Or like the trilogy and everything else. So there'll be a lot of talk on that. So I feel like these conversations will be completely different. Um yeah and of course like the only I'm going to be honest there's like maybe one more back movie I'd consider doing an episode on and that would probably be uh the cat uh Cool World oh,
1: that movie No, sucks, dude. no. The... I tried to watch I mean, Cool no, World, like, it's like a or weird like, <laughs> no,
0: that the hybrid month of like I do that with a pairing of who framed Roger Rabbit because they were pretty much like hand in hand Oh it was
1: time. pitched as a yeah. uh like a roger roger yeah, rabbit like exactly. yeah, yeah
0: so that's yeah. why I, I only see those two together if we ever did that not even more for backsheet, but because of the type of no, we thing we covered but i don't want to i don't want to be your cat man i really don't want to do be your cat <laughs> uh, <laughs> i want to i want to watch Ty, cat just sex, like, Google the
1: trailer on youtube and just <laughs> it's it's like i
0: feel like this is probably one of the foundations of like furry orgies or something it's probably this movie oh dude
2: I know a little bit too much about the origins of that oh, stuff. Oh, I, I don't. You, so now
0: we'll, we got
1: to do it. To
2: have Ty to, on that'll the show be different. Again. Guys. Now I got to do yeah, it anyway, dude. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and say. Long story short, there's a um, there's a there's a mini documentary, uh, in a series of mini documentaries called uh, "Down the Rabbit Hole," uh, about know. weird, like weird <laughs> questions you maybe don't want the answer to, like that. And there is a whole episode on like 45 minutes on the origin of furries, and it is exactly that where it's it's animators who work for big studios that are uh, have a little bit too much time in their hands or a little bit fr- sexually frustrated, and started using their characters as you know essentially ammunition. Like they're they're putting them into these like sex comics and sex like uh, you know videos. That they make themselves because they're professionals and they can who'd you make <laughs> and, uh... this for i made it for me <laughs> The, yeah, and they started clubs where there'd be like these these you know uh illustrator and animator clubs where they would uh fetishize their characters, and that's how it started. Hey, like, you want to go put on these so fluffy outfits go. and fuck? Oh, you know I do. It's yeah, just like then, oh no. And then people started making outfits, and that was it. That's that's history.
1: Damn, a lot yeah. of information today. So there you
2: go. I not <laughs> really don't want to do that cat movie. Maybe We're doing it, it out. out
0: anyway. Right. Yeah, we'll be here next week <laughs> with Lord of the Rings um ty where can people
2: find you <laughs> people can find me on uh twitter uh at it's titanic uh i-t-s-t-y-t-a-n-i-c or on instagram at uh ty Robertson vfx and uh yeah i sometimes post art and uh i don't know maybe talk about movies or post some stuff from work find me there all right and brandon where can
1: people find you and not felix the cat <laughs> check out apollo city comics on all podcast platforms and on youtube uh us like sutro have video now which is crazy and we have a bunch of crazy weird content that's going to be coming out we've had some delays on stuff but it's all lined up um so check us out
0: awesome and of course you know you're already on here on the Sutro side talk channel uh please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and uh If it's Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star review. And uh, Spotify, rate us, please. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, we will catch you guys
3: next week with Lord of the Rings. Until then, so long. Thanks for hanging.